1: Hey, blinders, it's Sean here to introduce a bonus episode of Robland for this week, where we have Stevo on the show to talk about the new Jackass film, Jackass Forever. It's a great interview, and I'm really glad we got a chance to sit down with him. Uh, as you'll be able to see if you watch it on the YouTube channel, he is coming to us from his tour bus because steve is taking his act on the road. He's been doing that for uh, a long time in between Jackass projects. And so we get into sort of his history with Uh, really outrageous stunts, the way that he works those into his comedy routine uh, and some of his hesitations about coming back uh, to Jackass and a lot of stuff about the legacy of Jackass. It's a really, really great conversation. Uh, If you're going to talk Jackass with just about anybody, Steve-O is absolutely one of the founding fathers that you want to get on to talk about, not just the, the the sequel, but the franchise as a whole. We do want to put a little bit of a content warning on this interview because, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll put the explicit tag uh, for when the hosts uh, let curses fly. Um, but this one in particular, you know, it's Steve-O, it's Jackass. We get into some uh, explicit conversation about some of the things that he does, not just in his act, but that they've done on Jackass over the years. So if for any reason uh, you don't necessarily want to listen to stories of that type, just be warned, uh, no going into it, that this one uh, is, has that kind of stuff in it. And we have plenty of other content on the Real Blend channel for you to listen to. However, if you are a huge fan of Jackass, uh, and if you admire all the stuff that Steve-O has done over the years, this is the conversation for you. So I'm throwing it right to our bonus episode with Steve-O on behalf of Jackass Forever.
2: Well, uh, uh, steve i I'll, I'll get us started. Uh, this is the, the Real Blend podcast. Are, where if, are you Jake? Up? I'm, I'm Kevin. Jake
3: Kevin. I'm oh, sorry. It was Kevin who I said was so hot. Oh, <laughs> oh, <no>. that, was, <laughs>
4: well, that makes me so happy. That's uh, the end of this interview, Steve. we appreciate your time. <laughs> <laughs> that was, we had a good run. <laughs> that was great. Hey,
3: Jake, Jake. I, I don't remember seeing it before, man. I think that you're also uh, a, a real, uh, you know, you're a real, a real doozy. For...
4: <laughs> that's yeah, all I needed. That's, that's all the name of our podcast. Oh,
1: yeah. It's uh, two cover models and a bridge troll.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Stevo, we want to say thank you for joining our show. We're we're a filmmaker uh, focused podcast. We, we like to talk about everything in terms of filmmaking, but obviously, we want to dive into the specifics of Jackass. But um, for our audience who's watching this on our YouTube channel or and listening at home, can you tell us where you are right now? Are you are you on a tour bus? Like where where are you at in the country? Yeah,
3: I, I am on a tour bus, and it is obnoxiously wrapped in Stevo art. And there's just, like, cards, like, Driving around and just people Lingering and the got their cell Phones out and it's and, uh You know being the attention to horror that I am I, I love that so much
0: <laughs> Well
2: awesome. you know you Having you on the show mm-hmm. is a big deal because like you know Jackass films are a, I mean to my opinion they're event Movies to see in theaters they're, they're movies That deserve to be seen in theaters with a crowd The communal experience is obviously very special Because it makes it so much more special to watch It for you growing up what was Your favorite theatrical experience that was communal like a jackass movie was for for us um like what was that experience for you as a kid
3: no i like uh it's tough for me to uh think of an example that really really applies on the level that jackass does if i were to think about memorable movie going experiences as a kid like the earliest one, I feel was Clash of the Titans. I remember really uh, being heavily impacted by uh, the, fir- the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones movie. Um, Ghostbusters was a pretty big scale event for me. Uh, of course, Rocky three, but yeah, none of those are really, really like a- as gasp inducing as like you know maybe like there's some kind of a, you know horror movies where the the whole crowd like sort of screams together but uh jackass is just a full-blown roller coaster man and then yeah. this new movie this new movie is just ridiculously good
0: <laughs> i so mean good. It, like
3: i i genuinely believe that and i never once said that about the last one you know like the last one was so wildly commercially successful, but I just thought it paled compared to its predecessor, Jackass mm-hmm. Number Two. And and I don't I don't that, that Jackass Number Two was the masterpiece. Um, so I'm not necessarily saying Jackass Forever can compete with Jackass Number Two, but in its own way, it is uh, the best work that we've ever done. I mean, it's it's different, and it is read ridiculously good, man. I (laughs) love so good. Like, I I went, I went to go see an early screening of it, and 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 my shit just straight hurt from laughing, man. Like, I was like, I mean, and it's crazy because, dude, I'm so happy with it.
4: See, do you see because wh- whenever they screened it for us here in Chicago, um, I, I think I was I was one of the few people that needed to see it for the junk. So I basically was in a the theater by myself and was dying laughing. The first thing I thought when I got out was I got to pay to go see that opening weekend because I want that X factor of seeing it with a massive crowd. Do you guys try to uh, we always hear stories of, of filmmakers oh, yeah. sitting in the back of the row and like watching. Do, do you guys go to the theaters on opening weekend yeah. and, and maybe without people watching and, and just kind of see what people are responding to?
3: I mean, it's, it's way before that, you know, like the, the, the whole approach for the filmmakers of Jackass is to get eyeballs on the, the early cuts. They're, they're, there's just like exhaustive test screenings. Oh, wow. And, and, you know, like, yeah, they, they, they're, they're hmm. out there like trying the different... Um, you know trying out the different cuts, and, and, and there was actually a really heated uh debate/slash conflict between um Jeff Tremaine and Spike Jones. Jeff Tremaine, of course, being the director, and, and Spike Jones, of course, being the uh Oscar-winning <laughs> you know filmmaker. <laughs> um, and, and the, the the debate was. Weather. and I was on, I was solidly on Jeff Tremaine's side about this, and this uh, relates to the opening sequence, where, my <laughs> God, like, uh, yeah, and, and and you know, I think everyone's kind of playing their cards pretty close to their best, but would like suffice it to say that the opening sequence is like a uh, like a a parody of a of a monster movie. Where the monster is is, is uh—you know—they—they they don't want to use the word Godzilla, but like it's basically a Godzilla monster, and you come to realize as this monster is destroying a city and an entire city and just destroying everything, and then you come to realize that the monster itself is Chris Pontius' penis painted green and with like with like the, the the utmost top echelon of puppeteers like responsible like like take your oscar-winning puppeteer shit we got the best puppeteers in the world we got the best special effects in the world we got the best miniature fucking we got spike jones at the helm they spent over three million dollars with fucking cranes throwing cars that were on fire and exploding through the paramount lot like, the, no expense was spared whatsoever. But, I mean, it is the most notable, the most utterly fucking ridiculous opening sequence. I mean, he, he, like, it, it, makes, it makes all of our other opening sequences seem so forgettable, you know? It's just unbelievable. And, and, and the debate between Tremaine and Spike Jones was that Spike felt very strongly that uh, we needed to pull back the curtain and show Pontius, you know, from head to toe and reveal oh, yeah. the scene and, and what's going on. Yeah. And, and uh, I felt, as did Jeff Tremaine, that we, that we, had, put, we had invested so much in, uh, in building this, uh, this energy. You know, we've gotten people like, when we're establishing this, like, you're in it. And then to all of a sudden come out of it to reveal Pontius standing there and show what's going on. It's just like we built this whole energy. We established this whole thing and then you just lose it all, you know, you mm. lose it all. And it's like, you know, Tremaine and I thought keep people in it, you know, don't, don't yeah. break it. But, uh, but what they did and, and, you know, the point being that they, they put it in front of test, test audiences, they tested uh, the A version versus the B version mm. and, uh, and, absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt demonstrably proven spike was right (laughs) spike was right and that's and that's not there's there's zero subjectivity in it when, when they test it in front of so many audiences like that it is absolutely proven that that was the way to go and it still I takes a while to
2: see them, though it still takes a little bit till we yeah. see bonnie though yeah
3: yeah you're, you're in there they, they, they got it right they got it right and and i think that that when it comes to spike jeff tremaine johnny knoxville like you know any and all of them on their own can absolutely get shit wrong you know none of them as individuals are bulletproof in uh you know getting everything right but the, the consensus of Johnny Knoxville and Jeff Tremaine and Spike Jones, once all of them have arrived at a, a, a consensus decision among them, in that case, the three of them put together are fucking bulletproof. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and like, I just, I just, I don't even bother. Like once, once all three of them have put their heads together and arrived at a conclusion, like I just know it's right because they've never been wrong.
1: Wow. Mm. Uh, Steve, yeah. I got to ask this. and it's, I, I think I know the answer listening to how passionately you talk about, you know, the creative decisions that go into it. But there is a moment early on when they ask you what it's like being back on set and you're like, it's crazy to see what we look like 20 years ago, you know, and I know what I did 20 years ago and what I can do now. Yeah. Like, is there any hesitancy at all when they call you and say we're, we're getting the band back together? And just be like, yeah, guys, no, not this time.
3: Um, <clears throat> I mean, for me, I, I had a. Uh been so active like doing all my own stuff even if it was for youtube or if it was for like my multimedia comedy tour like i have been kind of continuously staying active doing crazy stunts like without ever stopping so for me personally i knew i still had it in me because i've you know never stopped doing it uh and with that said um with that said, I had some serious apprehension um, because a- as an ensemble group, I think that it- it's a little bit of a different story because uh, we're all like so old, you know, like late 40s. And in some of our cases, actually in our 50s. <laughs> so like, I mean, it's like, all right, is it still fun and funny? to watch us do this stuff or have we reached a point where it's actually creepy? And, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know what the answer to that question was. And so I was, I was, uh, I was a little bit like apprehensive about that and, and and much more so I, I felt protective of, uh, of the legacy that we built, you know, like we, we got away with so much, you know, we got away with, with, with such ridiculous risks. You know, we rolled the dice. We just managed to get away with it. And, and, and in the process, we built up this beautiful legacy. And I thought that for us to, to, to make another one over a decade later, like all it would take is just one fucking thing. You know, mm. one accident, like one injury, just one terrible thing to happen. And the entire totality of the legacy would be out the window and we would just be a shit stain on history. Those sure, assholes got what they deserve. Well, the and, culture's and,
1: different, too. You know, the audience is different. The culture's different. So,
3: yeah. And I mean, if you're referring to, to cancel culture and, and all of that, um, I think that it's really a point of pride that jackass has always been in such a good spirit. You know, there's never yeah. been, there's never been anything hateful or mean spirit about anything that we're, that we do, you know, as, as hard of a time as we give each other and ourselves, like we're attention whores and we love it. You know, like we'll, like we're, we'll gladly take all of the beatings that we take for the attention that we crave. And outside of that, like, there's just nothing negative pointed towards anybody or anything so i think that uh, jackass has aged particularly well you know i yeah. think jackass has aged particularly well and i think that jackass really can thrive in uh, as politically correct of a culture of canceling people as uh, as it as it can get i think jackass is is pretty safe for those reasons
5: this episode of real blend is brought to you by marvel strike force
2: You know, Steve, when I left this theater, you know, and I think I feel like this has been a a topic of conversation for a long time that we don't really appreciate stunt actors as much when it comes to, like, talking (laughs) about. No, I mean, I I mean this genuinely, because, like, at the end of the day, there are people putting their lives in the lines to do action scenes in films. uh, And you hear and then you go watch this film and you you do get an appreciation for seeing your you, you and the other guys doing these actual stunts. And I just wonder, like. From a perspective, from your like, as you watch films, like, do you think about the actual importance of stunt actors and kind of the recognition of people doing that? I mean, I know Jackass is played for laughs, but it is still you're still performing and you're still doing things that are very talented. Yeah, you know.
3: Sure, I mean, like, I I, when when you said that, I I found myself kind of uh, smiling and and, uh, even laughing because you know I look back almost thirty years ago now when I was dropping out of the university of Miami and uh, I had, I had been kicked out of the dorms. I was failing my classes. I was just upping and leaving with like no fucking real plan. you know, and then I mean, outside of the only plan I had, which was to use a home video camera to film super crazy stunts to try to make myself uh, become a, a famous, crazy stuntman, you know, and, that, and I, I, I articulated this, this plan of mine to everybody who, who, who asked or anybody who would listen, I'm going to become a crazy famous stuntman with my home video camera. And that was 1993. And every single person who I explained this plan to felt genuinely sorry for me because, <laughs> because they're, at that time there was no precedent whatsoever for what I was setting out to do. Mm-hmm. There was no, there, there was no such thing as reality television. There was right. the video camera was not a household item, you know, like the outside of uh, America's funniest home videos there like, there just was no platform for, for home video footage of, of stunts and particularly at that time to say like it was an oxymoron to say famous stuntman mm. stunt man because stunt stunt man by definition was an entirely anonymous occupation because sure. by definition you were you were a body double for an actor and so like the idea of a famous stunt man was totally counterintuitive made no fucking sense and uh mm. And, and, and it was a losing battle that I was uh, undertaking. You know, everybody thought I was a tragic loser. And, and, um, <laughs> and, and I just believed in it because I had filmed enough crazy shit that uh, I could see how people reacted. You know, I started out making skateboard videos that nobody gave a shit about. And then I started throwing myself off of buildings and, and dangling from railings over like 12 stories. And when people saw that, they really reacted, and I thought, okay, I'm onto something, you know. And so I believed in it, but yeah. To answer your original question, um, it uh, it is it is a shame that that stuntmen get no uh no no credit, no accolades, you know, at least on any like mainstream level, you know. Sure, they got stuntman awards and this and that, but it's a, a very thankless, anonymous job. To be a stuntman in the conventional sense,
4: mm. Mm. I know mm. they're they're pushing right now for a, a stunt category at the Oscars, and and I they feel should. like we're, I feel like Jackass yeah. has yeah. just missed it by a few. Could you imagine Academy Award winner Stevo? Like we just missed it by just a couple of years. Um, you know. um
3: I mean it, it, the uh, the bad Grandpa Jackass movie won a, won an Oscar, I think, or was it just oh, for nominated? makeup? I can't remember. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah.
2: That's amazing. It might've won for makeup yeah. or nominated. That's yeah. Great.
3: yeah. That's great. I, it was either nominated or won, but, um, I mean, I'm not, I always said that if I won an Oscar that, uh, that during my acceptance speech, I would find my find a way to shove it up my butt while standing <laughs> on the
2: stage. There we go. But, uh, and
3: I've
2: actually, never I wanted actually, anyone to win an Oscar more in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Please do that. Yeah, and then and then get an X ray like Ryan Dunn did in the first steve one. God, that steve was the
1: second. steve I've heard Meryl Streep say this exact same thing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. The prob- the prob- the prob- is getting past the head those those, those shoulders are a tall order (laughs) no pun
2: intended oh my god
4: so steve i think just because we feel like we have a relationship with you guys that we really do like when you guys get hurt like it's just like oh it's like watching our friends get hurt i'm curious you've you've had your fair share of visits to the doctor over over the years what's what's the craziest thing a doctor's ever said to you just like dude like what what the hell are you doing, man? I'm, I'm curious, like, you're the strangest doctor visit you've ever had.
3: Um, I mean, I don't know that a doctor has ever said anything uh, notable in that regard. Um, I know that there have been chiropractors that I went to see who were familiar with my body of work and then took, <laughs> took and, and they took x-rays of my spine and they were confounded to not see uh, my spine in worse shape than it was because they mm. knew what I do. I've had chiropractors uh, tell me that they think I'm Keith Richards. When, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when they look at my x-rays, but, um, I mean, there, there was, uh, you know, probably the most grievous pain. I mean, by far, actually like the most, the most painful predicament I found myself in was, um, something i did for my um my second comedy special which is funny like the, clo- the the closer of my stand-up comedy special found me in um a burn unit getting skin grafts uh applied to 15 percent of my body for oh my uh, third degree third degree burns and yeah, yeah burns are by far the most painful Oof. and um a- after having um after having skin grafts surgically uh, applied to 15% of my body. And to be clear, the skin grafts were cadaver flesh. You know, like I, I had the flesh of seven different dead people grafted onto 15% of my body. And oh. um, and, and after I woke up from, from this surgery, they, one of the nurses told me that, um, they told me that, uh, it was seven different um, dead people's skin, and that they were giving me the physical home addresses of the families of each of the seven dead people so that I could send thank you cards to thank. To thank the families. this is absolutely a thing. And, uh, I, and I'd, I'd never heard of it before. And I was totally shocked by it. But, but going before the surgery, I was in the most unbelievable pain that i had ever experienced in my life. And waking up from the surgery, that pain, like I was fixed. You know, I, I was hmm. fixed. Like the, the, those, those, whatever those, those grafts do, like I woke up and the pain was gone. And I was so profoundly grateful for that. Um, that when they told me about the, you know, the thank you card option to mail a thank you card to the families of of these people, my immediate reaction was, oh my God, I'm gonna reach out to every single one of these families. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna like maybe one of the families has like a big Steve O fan, like I I don't know. Maybe some of them maybe some of the families are are uh have fallen on hard times and I could help them out, like like one way or another, but I wanna like give back. I really wanna like you know, I, I felt passionate about about doing that, and, and then, uh, speaking with my father, <laughs> speaking with my father, I, exp- I explained th- this, uh, you know, th- this this situation to him, and and my dad said, "What family do you think is going to be happy to learn that their loved one's skin?" was wasted on an asshole who set himself on fire on purpose. <laughs> and I was like and I was like, oh yeah, you know, when you put it that way, Dad. <laughs> because what I had done, what I had done to get third degree burns on 15% of my body was to lay down in a bed of rocket angel, or sorry, rocket engine fuel. <laughs> then we we, 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 made a bed of rocket engine fuel and I laid in it and did snow angels while my buddies lit it and I called it fire angels. And no <laughs> shit. I got fucking third degree burns on 15% of my body. Like, <laughs> of course, I mean, dude, like what the fuck was I thinking? And, uh, my dad was, was right too. That, uh, so I never sent any of those letters. Did the bit kill? And it, and I hope
1: it worked. Oh dude. Oh my god, it was fucking
3: epic. It was the most <laughs> epic. It, you know, and, and that's that's been my approach to uh to my stand-up comedy. Like over the the now like the you know, eleven, twelve years that I've been touring as a as a, a stand-up, like my my comedy evolved into this this multimedia experience. So that was the closer for my first comedy or it's the closer for my second comedy special. And, and like the, the whole standup bit is just, I mean, it's so over the top, the story that I'm telling, but it just lends itself to standup comedy and then to bolster it with the actual footage of the story that I'm telling is just, it's uh, so impactful. It's so original that uh, I've really stumbled on like an incredible, like approach to live comedy and now you know I'm, I'm speaking with you from my new tour bus wrapped in my steve bucket list tour art and every item on my bucket list is every bit as over the top as uh as that you know for my new mm-hmm. tour and and now when I do my, my 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 live show on the road you know I I've got this this stand-up show and after each bit in the show I screen the footage that's respective to the bit. So Mm. I've got a bit where there's one where uh, I've got a medical professional completely in disguise administering general anesthesia drugs through an IV while I'm riding a bicycle through a field, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) shit, shit like that. And, uh, you know, and the shit that I did for my bucket list tour, you know, all of these, these stunts, which comprise the multimedia component of the show, are just, none of them would I have been ever allowed to do for jackass because they're mm. uninsurable. They're flagrantly illegal. They're like <laughs> highly explicit, <laughs> like on a, level, on a level that's way beyond rated R.
1: Oh my gosh. All right. You <laughs> my, sold a couple my, of tickets.
3: <laughs> my, my, my publicist doesn't want me to call it uh, rated triple X. <laughs> But what else do you call a guy as he falls out of an airplane?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Oh, that's a
1: good, <laughs> oh my god. I would like the MPAA to look at that. Yeah. And decide. Well,
3: that, that was something that was something I said like like 20 years ago. I Maybe mean, because I was afraid of skydiving is really what it was. You know, I have this irrational feel of this irrational fear of roller coasters and um and uh, bungee jumping and shit like that I just don't like it So I never wanted to go skydiving And, and um, as such, like 20 years ago I said, dude, everybody does skydiving Man, that's lame I said, if I ever go skydiving I'm going to be butt-ass naked With a dude <laughs> with a dude strapped to my back And I'm going to be furiously <laughs> <d-."> <laughs> so, 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 I, so I time it So I time it that But i I'm actually falling out of the airplane which is just this which is which is so absurd and uh it's an executive decision yeah like like every item on my bucket list it was an idea that I had come up with years ago that was so utterly over the top that I never actually envisioned it actually happening and then I decided to do it all and so that's the level of stunts for my bucket list tour it's so funny too looking out of this tour bus how many vehicles are just circling around the bus like it's really creepy
4: did you, did you ever just pop out and wave at people
3: <laughs> um sure yeah I, mean, I got my dog with me so i gotta i gotta get out and uh, and walk, walk the dog um and every time it's a, a full-blown meet and greet <laughs> it's pretty nuts
1: all right, so I gotta ask this because the three of us have been doing this movie uh, journalism thing for a long time, and it's taken us to some crazy places. And and a lot of times we'll stop and look around and be like, I can't believe that we're here because of movies, right? Like it's the stupidest thing that we're here to to interview different people, and we're in Paris or God wherever. What's where's the greatest place that Jackass took you that you looked around and thought like, Holy, I can't believe I'm here because of Jackass.
3: Um, I mean. Jackass uh, the first well, I mean shoot, in the TV show days we did the, the this gumball rally thing, and, and that uh, consisted of, of, of like racing like super luxury cars with like a hundred like obnoxiously wealthy multimillionaires from London, England to Moscow russia in a gigantic circle and back through like 10 or 12 different countries and uh that that was that was a wild experience i mean that was that 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 was uh, and that was 2001 i mean that was really early on um then the first movie took us to japan and um the, the the filming in japan for the first movie represented the only footage in the first movie where I was not, uh, like highly intoxicated with cocaine in my right. system. Like, uh, like it's tough, to, it's tough for me to, to <laughs> like, it's like, I'm super not kidding. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Steve, Steve- oh. <laughs> I'll ask you this before
3: uh, we go, and, then, and, then, oh. and, then, and, I'm, and I'm not in a rush, guys. I'm not like, and some, and some of my publicist jumps on and says, says to stop. I'll continue to horrify him. Um, but uh, the <laughs> second movie took us to India, and then the third movie didn't take us anywhere because uh, that was for probably the third, the 3D cameras. Um, but what 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 really took me all over the world was. Um, was Wild Boys, which was a jackass spinoff that we filmed from 2003 to 2005. And uh, that chapter of my life was so unbelievable with all the world travel. I mean, we we went to every continent except Antarctica. Like we went to, I mean, I I, I got to film with, with genuinely wild gorillas in Rwanda. You know, like mm. Thailand, Indonesia. I was like, it was crazy. I was um, on like this remote island in Borneo, Indonesia, filming with this indigenous tribe. And this guy who didn't speak English pointed at my arm. He said, oh, for And I couldn't understand. I realized what he was, he was pointing to my off-road tattoo. Huh. And I'm like, dude, I'm in like a remote island in Borneo. And this guy knows about jackass. It's like, <laughs> that. That that was crazy. That was, that was really crazy, man. So, so cool. it's insane. And and during that Wild Boys era, during that chapter of my life, um, like I, I we all filled up our passport with stamps, and then they put in like additional pages, and then we filled all them up, and then we got more. Like we all had these passports that were just like these fucking sandwiches. It was like really, really a special time, man. You know, and uh, to 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 have had so many different chapters and eras in my life like uh i mean it's it, it's it's insane man it's That's insane.
2: awesome very awesome and steve I'll, steve i'll get you out on this one because i'm actually fascinated by this you you used a word um called insurance uh, when you were talking earlier about the, yeah. what you're able to do on your tour and you could do uninsured bits right. so right. in ter- in terms of the movie <laughs> how does the movie work in terms of insurance so for example like if aaron's in that room about to get you know killed by a bear or you're doing some stunt that's going to be that could injure you um how does the insurance actually work in terms of filmmaking like are all those stunts insured
3: um it's uh it's a really interesting question and um i know that uh may, maybe this is an industry term that but i wasn't familiar with it until uh this this press junket for the new movie but our first Jackass movie is what what's referred to as a negative pickup, which what what, what that means is that um, Paramount Pictures was not officially affiliated with the first movie. Like it was structured such that they were not tied to it. Like they somehow shuttled the money to like a ghost company or something like that. And like, so that like, if anybody died on that first movie Paramount wasn't tied to it, it wasn't their issue. It was, it's called a negative pickup where, where after the wow. movie was, after the movie was completed and nobody died and everything was okay. Then Paramount found out about it and, <laughs> bought, it and, and, and bought it after the fact. And uh, that I think there's something there's something tremendously uh, just fascinating and historical about that. And I know that for that first movie, it's not to say that we did anything without insurance. It's just that everything on that first movie was uh, like each bit was insured separately. And uh, and I think that's just because that's just because it was sort of a renegade like guerrilla warfare kind of, uh, operation and in, in getting it done. So they, 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 they insured the bits, um, you know, bit by bit. And of course that first movie was made with a budget of $6 million, you know, just $6 million. And then it brought in over $80 million. So the profit margin was there. I think that, uh, they, they saw fit to properly insure all of the subsequent movies and, um, you know, as Knoxville says, A, Paramount Pictures has been so wonderful to work with as a partner, that it is in no way disparaging that they describe the negative pickup. That was just 20 years ago and how that happened. And, and, and it's it was really careful not to say anything disparaging about Paramount because they have been so wonderful. But all of the subsequent movies after the first one, you know, two, three, and now four, were properly insured as a like a whole big picture, you know, and with Paramount very much responsible for it. And um, you know, Knoxville just describes that in order to ensure the you know those films, they had to pay through the nose. It was uh, it was a lot. <laughs>
2: Oh, I don't. Well, well, I don't <laughs> know how they ensured that B scene. Um, well, steve we, we we appreciate you joining us, man. This has been such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we we are big fans of this franchise. We always have been. Uh, I want to thank Greg Longstreet, obviously, for giving us the opportunity to have you on the show. And uh, thank you so much for talking about your tour and everything. I saw you back in two thousand two uh, with Steve-O and friends. I told you like like you. Oh this was yeah, the tour. that's how you, you held
3: up the tickets.
2: Yeah, Ryan signed it. You you swallowed the light bulb yeah. on that tour, which I, I was right up front watching you do that. I don't know how the hell you did that, but uh, it was <laughs> it was incredible. So
3: where 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 are you guys located?
2: I'm in D.C. I'm in Chicago, and I'm in
1: Charlotte, North oh. Carolina.
3: Man, I was just in uh, D.C. and D.C. I was in uh, on December fourth, and uh, Chicago I was in less than two weeks ago with that tour. Yeah text you guys, us next time. <laughs> guys, hey, Let's just you, you, you guys blew it. I don't know, uh, Charlotte. It's Charlotte. I mean, whatever. I don't know. But, uh, dude, th- thank you for your time, man. You know, I, I'm such an attention whore, and I'm always uh, grateful right. for people to give me the uh, the, the time and the and attention that I crave. So uh, it's you guys. It, it's you guys who I'm grateful for.
2: Yeah, no, it's an
1: awesome, honor man. to have, have you appreciate brother. it, steve That's awesome, Thanks, brother. Thank you, buddy. I you say safe. stay safe, but uh, sure. I know you won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on, <laughs> guys. Thank you very much to Paramount Pictures and, of course, to Steve-O and his reps for getting him on the show. I loved his conversation uh, about the impact of stunt people in the film industry over the years. And I, I really loved the fact that he had it in him from those earliest days uh, with a handheld camera of going out into his backyard, uh, performing crazy stunts like this and knowing that he wanted somehow his destiny <clears throat> was to sort of go down that road uh, and, and put those stunts onto film. And I think it really shines a great light onto the work done by stunt people in the industry, something that we have been sort of beating the drum for uh, for a long time, recognition of the the work that goes into uh, that field and especially as we see them reach new heights in, in a lot of the franchises that we have come to love. So uh, check out Jackass forever. It is going to be in theaters <laughs> uh, on the big, big screen. You're going to see some lunacy uh, coming your way from the guys at Jackass exactly what they uh, deliver to us on a regular basis. And uh, we love that Steve was able to jump on for a conversation. Look for a full episode of real blend uh, hitting all your streams on Friday, where we're going to have a very exciting guest tied to another massive blockbuster Uh, so make sure you're subscribing to us on our YouTube channel, subscribing to us, all the places where you get your podcast needs met, and we'll see you back here with a full show very, very soon.